Well, good morning, everybody. Here we are at the end of another year. Can you believe it? Christmas has passed. The year's done. We can rejoice in all kinds of blessings of the year. And we can rejoice in the challenges too, though we're not so good at that part of it, the rejoicing in the difficulties. God has been good to us even to bring us this far by faith. How many of you had a challenge or two this year? Would you just raise your hand up? All right. How many of you anticipate a few challenges in 2024? Would you? How many of you have no idea what's going to happen in 2024? Everybody's hand ought to be up. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, the Scripture says. So, if you were an author and started out this year writing your own story, you would have included lots of people, plans, events, and blessings. A few of us would have planned the hardships, the heartbreaks that happened this year, circumstances, happenings, and events come to us in tyrannical ways, whether we want them to or not. Uh, we are always dealing with unexpected circumstances, and the result is we get anxious and we give way to worry. Now, I know in this spiritual crowd, there's not a person in here that ever has a worry. You never worry because everybody's so spiritual. Not. How many of you do worry? Come on. I worry. Got my hand up. We get anxious. We worry. I want to ask you a question. How many of you lose sleep at times? You don't have to respond, but you lose sleep at times. You just, you just can't lay down and just uh, knock off and go to sleep because of the circumstances, because of the worries, because of things that either have happened, you're afraid will happen, things that shouldn't have happened, or things you know must happen. They just keep you awake. King David talked about his enemies, his hardships, his difficult circumstances. Yet he said in Psalm 3 and 4, he said it twice, he said, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Well, David knew something that I must not know very well because I can lay down, but I don't always fall asleep. Have you been held awake? Have you been in the middle of the day, caught yourself thinking about something that was keeping you from doing what you should be doing? Maybe it's a moment of rejoicing. Maybe it's a celebration, but you can't celebrate because circumstances, the tyranny of the urgent, all those kind of things are going on in your heart and mind. There's no scripture sheet this morning. I was talking about that with somebody a few moments ago, and I said, there's no scripture sheet this morning, and it's because I'm going to start at Genesis 1, preach all the way through Revelation. What do you think? <laughs> no, I'd like you to turn your Bibles just to two verses, and I'm going to pick up where Pastor Kirby left off on Labor Day. We're going to just look at it again because we get anxious. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6 and 7. Now, before we read it, I need to recognize that a major theme of this epistle, the epistle to the church at Philippi, was about joy and about things that do rob us of joy. I owe a great debt of gratitude to someone who's already in the Lord's presence that uh, really helped me as I thought about this and helped me personally all year long. Bonnie said, there's a book you need to read, and I want you to read it. So I picked it up and I read it. It's Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' book called Spiritual Depressions. Spiritual Depressions. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a quick read, but it's uh, chapter by chapter, 24 chapters of, hey, boy, it seems like he, he knows the issues of everybody's life, and God really used him. And I'm, I'm usually the product of the last book I've read. And so today I want to share some things that uh, God has been teaching me. Uh, I used to... Um, uh, we, we need to recognize the major theme of this book, this epistle, is joy and the things that rob us of it. Paul was in jail and his companions and friends were worried about him. 
Some of their own people were suffering persecution and they were worried about what was next. Promoters and preachers of Judaism were confusing people and they were worried about that. Then too, some of their own number were not working well together in unity and that gave tremendous cause for concern. So there were plenty of reasons for worry, for loss of sleep and angst. Paul has something to say about that issue in these two verses. So let's stand and read the Word of God together. Just two verses up on the screen. And let's read these verses together. And uh, let's, uh, let's let the Word of God dwell in us richly today as we look at these two simple verses that are so profound and so helpful. Let's read beginning now. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, I pray as we talk about hearts and minds today, hearts and minds, that that area, that unconquerable area of our makeup, of our soul, Lord, that no matter how strong our will, sometimes we cannot conquer our heart and our minds, and they race with trouble. I pray, Father, that you would help us now to be able to understand the apostle and what he's saying, and help us to dwell deep and richly in your word so that your word can have its rule in our heart. And Lord, it says that we would love to have the peace of God And today, this room is full of people that would love to have the peace of God in their hearts and that it would keep them in times of difficulty and trouble. I pray that you would help us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. So things don't often, in fact, rarely work out according to our own script. You're writing your story and it's going to be like this and that, but it just doesn't work out according to your story. We plan our story, but these tyrannical circumstances ruin it. And what happens? Our hearts and our minds get out of control. Hearts and minds. Paul said that we need help to guard our hearts and minds. Once again, look at the passage, verse number seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The guarding of your heart and your mind, hearts and minds. Paul said we needed to guard our hearts and minds. Now you need to think beyond the blood pump, of course, uh, and uh, you need to think about this. You need to think about your inner self, your inner desire, those elements that make up the total of who you are, that decision-making situation in your heart about what you desire, want, and will sacrifice for your heart we studied this carefully two years ago when we, at Christmas time, preached on the two verses, or actually three verses, Romans 10, 9, and following. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your what? Heart. So it's not with your mind you believe, you believe with your heart. The heart is the issue, and the heart is informed by our mind. When we say that we are heartbroken or sick at heart, we are at the truest version and deepest version of our self. That's what we're talking about. Mark quoted Isaiah in Mark 7, 6, and he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart 
is far from me. They may have even been in the temple offering sacrifices and fulfilling by rote all of the requirements of the sacrificial system, but their heart was not there. It's the heart's messed up. It's out of control. That is the heart that we are talking about. Paul was addressing people that had lost their joy due to circumstances out of their control, and they were worried excessively. They were completely sidetracked with worry. Now, here's a fact. The fact is this, you can control lots of things in your life, you know, what time you get up, what you're going to have for lunch and so on. You can decide all kinds of things, but you cannot control your heart and your mind. You know, you may be dead tired. You may drag yourself to bed. How many of you, you know, you could drag yourself to bed and you're just dead tired. Maybe it was a day of physical work or mental exertion or a day of worry. (laughs) And you're just dead tired and you throw yourself, drag yourself into bed only to flop back and forth like a fish on a hot rock as you lay there on that bed. I've been there. Just, you know, you just, I've taken to doing all kinds of things. I count sheep, you know, count dogs and cats and puppies and guppies and everything. I just count, you know, try one, two, three, four. Can't go to sleep. Um... Your heart is full of angst and worry, and maybe you take to solving problems right there on your, well, I know what I'll do. I'm awake. I might as well just think about this and work on this and think, I'll, I'll solve this. <laughs> so right there on your pillow, you start, to, you start the problem solving. Well, if this happens, I'll do that. If that happens, I'll do this. And if George doesn't come through, I'll call Tommy. <laughs> and on and on it goes. But what if this happens? Or what if that doesn't happen? Or what if the chemo doesn't work? Uh-oh. Getting real now. What if I can't meet the sales goal? On and on. What if? Why did she do that? Why didn't he think of that? How could she say that? Folks, we don't plan angst, but it happens. We don't plan worry, but it happens. I know I said you're a spiritual group, but I was being a little bit facetious. I know that all of us get anxious. We worry Things robs us of peace. How many of you had a little bit of peace robbed from you over the last year? Come on now. I want to give you a few thoughts this morning, what the Paul has to say about what to do then with angst, what to do with it, what to do in this situation. The first thing we want to do, and if you're taking notes somewhere, it's just real simple, avoid unhelpful truths. And see, I thought the truth was always helpful. Well, let me, let me help you here a little bit. There's some pretty standard ways we counsel one another when trouble comes. And we sometimes give these counsels. <laughs> we know what to say when trouble's happening to somebody else, but when the trouble's happening to us, we don't even take our own advice. Now, let me give you some of these things that are standard. Uh, and so <clears throat> we, we, we start here. We say, just tell yourself, don't worry. Pull yourself together. Just say no to it. Just say no. Just don't worry. Um, that's like telling a fish not to swim or a duck not to quack. Should we avoid worrying, yes or no? Come on now. Should we avoid worrying, yes or no? It is a truth <laughs> that we should not worry. Uh, it's not good for you. It'll make you lose sleep. It carries on too long. It can lead to moodiness, bad habits, addictions, and ultimately stomach, stomach ulcers. It can mess you up. Okay, so don't worry. <laughs> Too bad that doesn't work. Telling yourself not to worry, not to worry is basically useless. But is it true that you shouldn't worry? Of course. Here's another one. It's really good. Tell yourself not to worry because it may not happen. 
It may not happen. But the reason for the worry is that it might happen. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Well, it hadn't happened yet. Don't worry. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the bridge is coming and it may be out. So it's true that you can't cross the bridge until you come to it, but that doesn't mean the bridge is not coming and that it may not be out. These are all true, but useless bits of advice. You know, psychologists, some of them make a living dishing out various forms of this advice, kind of like this. Bill, I'll tell you, you need to just quit worrying. Besides, it may never happen. Don't you understand that? It just may never happen. Here's your bill for $125, pay Olivia on the way out. (laughs) Here's another one. Tell yourself not to worry because this is my favorite one. I tell people this all the time. I tell myself this all the time. Don't worry because worry doesn't work. Is that true? Come on. Is it true? Does worry work? Okay. So it's true that worry doesn't work. All the worrying in the world will not make any difference. Psychologists would say it's wasted energy. Your worry won't improve your position. I've tried using this psychology on people myself. Hey, worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. Lots of action, but you don't get anywhere. All of this is true, but useless. These are unhelpful truths. Truths. Now here's another one. Tell yourself not to worry because worrying is a sin. Ooh, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Worrying is a sin. I mean, Pastor Phil, have you not read Jesus' own words on the subject in Matthew chapter 6? He spent 10 verses of the Sermon on the Mount telling people not to worry. So if we're worrying, we're being disobedient, therefore we're in great sin. Yes, he did, but he prescribed something else instead. And that's another sermon that I won't preach today. But he said, seek the kingdom of God first, and all of these worries will take care of themselves. Well, whether worry is a sin or not, I'm not prepared to debate. But I am prepared to tell you what can help us get a good night's sleep as we overcome angst and the circumstances that cause it. Now, there's stuff in our personal life that causes angst. There's stuff in our family life that causes angst. There's stuff in our economic life that causes angst. There's stuff in our culture. How many of you have a little bit of angst and just wondering where's it all going? And what, I mean, are you a little bit anxious, a little bit concerned about what kind of world you're leaving your kids and grandchildren? Angst. So um, we want this peace of God in the midst of all of this. We want the peace of God that passes understanding. And I find that I rarely, that I really, really, really personally need this sermon today. I don't know about you, but I need it. There are personal struggles, perhaps physical struggles in your life, people problems, difficulties at work, financial problems and hardships, difficulty with family. And who is not concerned about, as I mentioned a moment ago, the cultural chaos that surrounds us. I don't know about you, but I could use a great big dose of the peace of God. Okay, great. What does Paul say, Pastor Phil? Well, he says this. He says, let your request be made known to God. Okay, Pastor Phil, you have got to be, you're just going to tell us to pray. And that's it. What we just need to do is just pray. Well, Pastor Phil, I have been praying, been on my knees. I got me one of those prayer closets. You told us that we need to make an appointment with God where we read the Bible and we pray and By the way, all of you that read through the Bible this year, God bless you. Praise the Lord for doing it. Start all over January 1st. Let's do it again. All right. Now, so, but here's the thing. Pastor, I've been doing all of that. I've been praying and praying. It just seems like I'm not just, I'm just not getting anywhere. So we need to take a look at this because Paul says that the peace of God that passes understanding is available. That's the first thing I want to say to you today. 
the peace of God that passes understanding is available. Is that in the Bible? Yes or no? Is it available? Yes or no? Well, we may not find it, but that doesn't mean it's not available. Now watch. It's there. And from time to time, we run into people in our life that seem to be always up, happy, content. Don't they just grind you? I mean, they're always just great. Everything's wonderful no matter what happens to them. Everything is just, you know, and, and it's not just that they're just happy people that got their head in the clouds. I mean, they can tell you why they're happy. They're happy and they, they're content. I've encountered people like that. I, I have to tell you, I must be too sanguine because when I'm up, I'm really up. And when I'm down, I'm really down. I have a cousin. I have to tell, tell you this story. I have a cousin named Gloria. Her father, my uncle Billy, dropped dead at 47 of a massive heart attack. Her first husband, Ray, died of a rare cancer within 60 days of diagnosis at 32 and left her with two kids to raise. She remarried, but her daughter, who nearly died from being kicked by a horse, suffered with only early onset diabetes and died at 19. Both of her brothers, my cousins, Terry and Gary, committed suicide. Her mother, my Aunt Alma, had a severe case of Alzheimer's and her money ran out, so Gloria took care of her at great expense and effort until she died. Her second husband, Clyde, suffered for years with blood clots, and then she nursed him all of this time for this, for this situation before he died in her presence of a brain aneurysm. Her mother-in-law, Clyde's mother, outlived them all, lived to over 100, and she took care of her mother-in-law until she died. She raised Clyde's children. Two of them have already died. She suffered with lupus for many years and right this minute is going through chemo for cancer in all kinds of locations in her body and has only been given a couple of months to live. She was caring for another stepdaughter in a wheelchair up until her cancer came, and then she had to give it up because she could not do it. My brother went to see her on Christmas, and here's what he said. Phil, all she could do was thank God for his goodness and for blessing her in so many ways. And all she could talk about was how that he had been with her every step of the way, and she was confident he would be with her till the end, and she couldn't wait to see him. It's not fake, it's real with Gloria. She spent the rest of the day going person by person asking how everybody is doing and how's that job going, how's your retirement going, how's Phil's church up there in Des Moines going, and just asking question after question. Peace of God that passes, I can't understand that. In extreme pain, from time to time, she would just grimace with terrible pain while he was sitting there talking to her. I don't understand that level of assurance that is all is well. But you know, the truth is I should understand it because I'm preaching about it. You see, I really need this. How many of you need this? Amen. You need the peace of God. So what am I missing? Well, before we look at the list, we need to ask what is covered. What is covered in this offer? Are some things too big or some things too small or some things too personal? <laughs> Do you have your Bible open still? Chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in, what's the next word? Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Well, this is God's umbrella policy for us. 
Does this include my finances, my children, my sick grandmother, my back problem? Does it cover the mean boss at work? Does it cover the lack of, the lack of rain in our state? Does it cover my lost family and my friends? The word is everything. I just need to let my request be made known to God. Now, let's be very specific about this. Let's read these verses. Let's read slowly. Make sure we understand the scriptures. It says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus because he's going to get rid of all of your problems and all of your troubles. Is that what it says? Well, isn't, the, isn't that the way we think about our troubles? I mean, isn't it an if and when situation with us? Well, I know I can have peace and I can be happy if and when this is over, that's done. I accomplished this or this sickness or this boy or that girl or this relationship. If and when. That's not the promise. The promise is not, I'm going to fix everything for you, then you'll be happy. Now, one day we're going to heaven and everything will be wonderful. But until then, we're still supposed to have the peace of God that passes understanding. Is that true? Yes or no? But the peace of God that passes understanding does not mean there are no storms in your life. That's not what it means. Paul as he's writing this beloved epistle, it's chained in prison. <laughs> he's saying silly things like rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What? In prison? What did you do? Well, I preached the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm in jail. Well, that's just not right. It's just not fair. How can you be happy? <laughs> because I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, or whether I'm lacking or whether I'm full. We just, if you just read a few verses before, so I've just learned all this kind of stuff. And I'm just telling you, it's a learning. I have to learn it. I didn't have it automatically, but I have learned. I have learned. I have learned. Sometimes it takes the trouble and the problems and the heartache and the difficulty to learn that in him, there is peace and contentment. So I know I'm right on this because Paul could be joyful when he had plenty, when he lacked, when he was in whatever situation, included being in jail unjustly as he presently was. So get this, you and I can have the peace of God that passes understanding in the middle of the storm of your life, not only when it is over. So here's the prescription. The prescription is prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. You say, well, Pastor Phil, that's what I was telling you. I've already got that. I've got my list and I've asked and asked. Now, I'm going to suggest something to you here that you really need to pay attention to because there are three points that are mentioned separately that are later summarized by the phrase making your request, making your request known to God. Three issues are mentioned there. And the first of them is the word prayer. To put it the other way around, let your request be made known to God through prayers, petition, and thanksgiving. And you will be rewarded with the peace of God. So what is the prayer element then, Pastor? Well, I want to suggest that prayer at this moment is the whole notion of going to God 
going into his presence at any and on all occasion. It is the whole idea of being able to be heard, to go into God. I mean, just the, the idea of prayer. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm suffering here. My brother is suffering. My, my cousin is suffering. The country is suffering. The world is suffering. So what do I need to do? Well, I, I, I have somewhere to go. Seek him. We can go into his presence. So before we start with some list, just come into his presence. For the moment, forget your problem and just step into the throne room because everything is all right in my father's house. Seek him. Seek his face. Worship. Adore. Give praise. David did this all the time. No wonder he was considered a man after God's own heart. No matter what the situation. Listen. Therefore, you are great, O God. And there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. This is David as he's in trouble, talking about how great God is. In Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John had been arrested, threatened, and released, they had been told, if you speak any more in this name, we're going to beat you. We're going to kill you. They gathered the saints, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So what did they do? So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I mean, the first thing they did is just get into his presence. <laughs> Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, we have a high priest, Jesus, who is very familiar with our weaknesses, who stands ready and is always available for us to approach with boldness. So just the idea <laughs> of there's somewhere to go. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said it this way, come to him, come to me, he said, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you, that's before you ask for anything. Doesn't matter what the burdens are, before you even make a request, before you even start listening. No, 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 just come into his presence. So just rejoice that you're part of the family, and you have the privilege of coming into his presence, come into his presence with praise and adoration. Recount his greatness and goodness, not only for his sakes, not to butter him up, but for your own sakes, because when you get in his presence, things are different. When I was a little boy, and I was frightened for any reason or got myself in a fix, if I could just look up and see my dad close, everything was all right. You know, if we can just be close to the Lord and in his presence, the sense of peace and everything's all right can invade our souls. Why? Because he's right there. Look up to God and relax. God is writing this story. Psalm 139 says this. You've heard it so many times. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Listen to this. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. You see, God is writing this story and he's present in it. Prayer is a privilege, and it's a good way to begin is just praise him. Then there's that second word, supplication. Supplication, what is that? Well, it's the word petition. Now that we've been reassured that we're in the right place and that we're welcome, we can make our petitions, our particular request. Well, Pastor Bill, what kind of things can we make petitions about? Well, what are you worried about? That qualifies. What are you overwhelmed with? That qualifies. <laughs> 
What do you need? What is the concern? The verse says, in everything. So is anything too big for God? Jeremiah 32, 27, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is anything impossible? Well, Luke 1, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Is anything too personal? Is there any prayer that is not personal where someone is involved? Is there any restriction to these prayers? Yes, we can't pray against the will of God. We cannot pray against the will of God. From time to time, somebody come in and say, I don't know what I want to do. I love a woman. It's not my wife. I want to divorce my wife. And I think God wants me to do that. I'm praying about it. The third one is supplication, petitions. Or then that was the second one. And then the third one is gratitude. And it literally says, with thanksgiving. Have you read this lately, Psalm 100? I make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Gratitude. We're welcome in his presence. We can bring anything into his presence and we need to be thankful when we get there. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. One of Brother Marty's favorite verses in the Bible. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Gratitude. You say, well, this sounds like a Thanksgiving sermon. Every day ought to be Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving. Gratitude. This is praying with thanksgiving or giving thanks as you pray. Well, what does that look like, Pastor? Well, we might say give thanks for being heard. The psalmist says it over and over. Here's Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Being heard. You know, you're not always going to be heard. You may not be heard at court. You may not be heard on the job. You may not even be heard at home. But you can always, always, always be heard in God's presence. We can certainly be thankful for what he's already done. Why, he created everything. He gave us life. He died for our sins. He gave us new life. That is, he gave us salvation. He gave us many precious promises. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the people of our lives. He gives us hope. Now, we can't come into God's presence holding a grudge against him. Please stop doing this. Please stop telling people you're mad at God and you and God are not getting along. Please don't do that. Because if you come into his presence declaring how mad you are at him, do you think that's a good situation? When your next breath is in his hand and your blood plump depends on him? And the very constitution of everything that you are depends upon him because in him all things are made by him, for him. (laughs) We can't come doubting that he cares or that he's not good or doubting that he can do anything at all to help. So we want the peace of God. We do. 
But we tend to let our circumstances determine our level of joy. God is not promising a rose garden existence. He's not even promising that he will take all your troubles away. One day he will in heaven. He's not even promising that he'll do that. He is saying that we can have peace no matter what the circumstances are. When angst seems to be strangling our joy, then let your requests be made known through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Let me finish by visiting the unending fountain of God's grace and love. Brother Matt read part of it just a minute ago. It's amazing. The Lord must have wanted us to hear that today, Matt. Uh, Brother Norm is here somewhere this morning. He says, all roads lead to Romans chapter 8. And I think he's right. I want you to listen to this in Romans chapter 8. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse number 32 or 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's given you his son. He died for you on the cross. He took away your sins. He paid the ultimate price. He gave you the ultimate gift. He forgave you for your sins at the greatest price imaginable. How will he not also give you all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. He's praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nevertheless... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded (laughs) that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, or things, 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 the things of your life, (laughs) nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Jesus Sent his 12 on a boat ride across the, across the Galilee. While they were out there, the storm rose. But who was in the boat with them? No matter what you're going through, Jesus has not abandoned you. Never. On another occasion, he sent them on a boat ride, and he wasn't in the boat with them, and the storm was going on. They still weren't alone, because what did he do then? He came walking on the storms of their life. Jesus is always present. Christmas has come and gone. The gifts, the toys, and the games, some of them are already losing their luster and their fun. They leave us empty. But our joy isn't dependent upon these events. Our joy, our contentment, our hope, and the peace of God that passes understanding depends on a person. It depends on Jesus. But do we take advantage to let our request be made known? Not in hopes of an immediate, okay, that fixed that. No, no, no. It's all all right. It's all all right if Jesus is with you. 
Will he ever leave you or forsake you? Never. He's always there.